Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Caught up earlier today with Chris Reed, MD and CEO of Neo Metals. Uh, we talked to them about their vanadium recovery and their battery recycling business and their plans for 2021. If you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation, their business, and indeed the company itself, you can get that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports. There is commentary from market experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. There are training videos on there to help you with your diligence. Uh, there are summaries of other interviews that we've done just to save you some time. And why don't you go and join the thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe environment. You can get, find them there at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Chris, how are you doing, sir? I'm very well, Matt. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Are you getting ready for Christmas? Yeah, look, we're going to uh, sort of take two weeks off. Uh, not as many holidays as uh, the guys up in the north, but, uh, you know, we'll all enjoy a break. It's been a reasonably sort of uh, testing year. Yeah, yeah, it really has. That's kind of why we find we want to see, you know, get, give you an end of year roundup from you and also talk about a couple of press releases we've seen since, since we last spoke. So, uh, yeah, it's been a toughie. Hey, um, again, why don't we kick off that usual obligatory one minute summary of the company and then we can sort of pick up on what's been happening since we spoke. Yeah, sure. Uh, Neo Metals is an ASX-listed project developer. We've got a number of projects, uh, all with direct exposure into commodities that are required to supply the lithium battery uh, supply chain. And so those projects, you know, they cover lithium battery recycling, vanadium recovery from existing stockpiles, uh, a lithium conversion opportunity, uh, and we have upstream resources of nickel and vanadium. Brilliant. Tell me, tell me a little bit about what, what you went through in 2020. It's been a tough year for everyone, but you've got to keep the yeah. engine ticking over. You've got to keep things moving forward. And, you know, and we're going to talk about a couple of them in a second, but you know, just how tough was it? Look, I think in Australia, you know, look, we've, we've been pretty lucky. And for us as a company, you know, we are in the evaluation and, and, uh, and development phase. We're not actually constructing anything. I think if you were constructing anything and operating them offshore, as most of our projects are, that would have been very, very challenging. So, you know, in terms from the lithium battery recycling, you know, we were finishing a pilot plant up in, uh, just up out of Toronto this year. So we managed to, to finish that uh, and then negotiate our joint venture with SMS. It took a couple of months longer than we would have liked to because, you know, we couldn't have, we weren't able to have face-to-face meetings and sort of, you know, really condense it over, a, over a, you know, a couple of sessions um with the sms management team so that unfortunately just exchange of documents decision trees it, that was the long protracted version uh but you know right now we are just starting to uh fabricate our demonstration plant we've got all of the equipment procured it's either in germany or shortly will be in germany and we'll start construction on site uh in the new year so that's that's on track. It's probably a couple of months where we would have liked it from. The vanadium recovery project, we've been fortunate, you know, in that, that Sweden didn't shut down in the first wave. So we were able to get all our samples into Australia and then do all our test work, our mini pilot plant, uh, scoping study, and now we've started a pre-feasibility study. So that's actually, we have not had an impact. And we actually have the samples from Sweden for our pilot 
and to go into the full feasibility study. So that's been seamless. Um, in terms of our project in India, once again, because the offtakes from an existing mine and our former partner Ganfeng, you know, converts Mount Marion concentrate every day, not worried about the technical risk. India, uh, the project, look, in terms of permitting and, and you know, securing, running the commercial stuff in parallel, probably a couple of months behind. In terms of the upstream mineral assets in Australia, um, you know, for the vanadium titanium project, uh, that's been a little bit slow because we've had a few political implications with the Chinese. We're not seeing sort of eye to eye at the moment. Uh, and for the nickel, you know, we've gone through and increased the resources and made a few uh, gains in the uh, exploration side of things. So look, you know, I would have had to say, we, we achieved probably 75% of what we wanted to. The technical streams have gone really, really well. A couple of the commercial ones are a couple of months behind, but nothing that we can't catch up in the new year. So Mark's out of time for your team for this year? Oh, look, I, I think everyone's done a fantastic job. You know, everyone's everyone's worked really, really hard. Uh, yeah, I'd be giving them, I'd be giving them, you know, a solid eight out of 10. Okay, well, look, look here's the thing. I think you have, you were a minor, you segued over and say, hey, we're going to insert ourselves into the uh, EV thematic. We're going to put ourselves at the forefront of that. Go early on that one you have. It caused a bit of confusion in the marketplace because people didn't know what you were, what to call you, how to analyze, uh, do comps, etc. Do you think that's now starting to change the further you move along with certainly the Vernadium project and obviously the battery recycling? Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, I, I caught up with some brokers uh, last week and they said, look, I think on your epitaph, Chris, it's going to have a man ahead of his time. So, you know, for us, we developed Mount Marion uh, early. We were the second mine in the world after green bushes of, of industrial scale, and that is still the world's second largest hard rock source. We sold out of that. We moved into recycling in 2016 because we knew we would have to recycle for a number of reasons. And I think you've seen that in the new EU battery regulations. So you're going to have this, you know, uh, you're going to have to report your life cycle analysis in 2024. You're going to have to comply with CO2 limits from 2027. There's going to be minimum levels of recycled materials in these batteries. You know, it is not optional. So we're, we're, we're in early, we've got a massive big partner there. So for us, we've always had that commitment to the commodities and we love the trend. We just found a better position in the supply chain, something that's more sustainable. So recycling these at the end of life means I don't have to develop a mine. So if I had to look at, if you, if you look at the lithium battery recycling, it's a new age base metals refinery right? It just doesn't take a mineral concentrate and you don't burn it. So instead of the old traditional refinery to get nickel and copper and cobalt and lithium, which is the mainstay of these batteries, we had to develop a refinery to make the high purity chemicals out of batteries. That's what it is. So our biggest revenue from the top, nickel, cobalt, lithium, right? Copper. And so they're the commodities you want exposure to, and you'll be at the lowest points in the cost curve for that business. Um, but we got into it early, great R&D success, and we've got a big German partner who's going to roll out the commercialization initially in Europe, 
but then you know they've got the, the it'll be a global business right um, so if i may if i may so you you've got we're obviously I'm based in Europe and we're seeing all these sorts of big statements from governments and politicians around about target setting. We're, you know, here we're looking at uh, no sales of combustible engines, car sales and combustible engines by 20 after 2030, which is which would be amazing. We're setting our CO2 uh, targets as well. What are you seeing? Given that you're now in the European ecosystem there, are you seeing a kind of coordinated uh, uh, and, and concerted effort from everyone? Are they talking to each other? Because I get where you're trying to insert yourself because I haven't seen anyone else do it. You, you have really gone early, but is, is it working over there or is everyone just kind of finding their way? Look, there, there obviously are um, incumbent sort of base metal refiners, right? Like Numacore, Glencore, and they can take these batteries not the same yield as us, but you put them in the old technology, about 50% yield. We're targeting better than 85% yield and better purities with our products. But notwithstanding, they can do the job. But, you know, one of the things that I think the regulators probably didn't embrace is the fact that when you drive these, to, to make an EV car, it has twice the carbon footprint of a normal car. And you only beat the normal car after seven or eight years of charging as opposed to burning a hydrocarbon, right? So the immediate challenge, if you're going to speed up this shift, and they're doing it with the carrot and the stick, right? So you get incentives from the uh, governments and the and the uh, automakers in terms of rebates to get to make the price attractive. And then there's carbon penalties for the automakers if their fleet doesn't have enough or has too much carbon uh, in it. So they're using both approaches to speed up the penetration of EVs. I mean, Germany last month had 20, over 20% EV penetration. We didn't think we were going to see that. Like two years ago, we didn't think we were going to see that until 2025. So it's all coming at us quick, but so is the carbon. So we've got to take out the carbon out of the supply chain. And it comes from the battery and it comes from the battery materials. You've got little white rocks from Australia go to China, then go to Europe. You've got cobalt that gets flown to from the DRC to China that goes to Europe. You've got manganese, you've got graphite, you've got everything gets landed into Europe with these huge footprints. And so hence why, you know, we, we, we sort of put a pin in the upstream business and just went, wait a second, we have to make more of these materials to satisfy the production of these batteries, right? To make sure that there's a seamless supply because you don't want the consumer to run dry, right? Because then they'll turn off it. But the overarching thing is we've got to take the carbon out. So the only way you can do that is to have either new processing methods and no one's done anything for a while. We've been burning base metals for hundreds of years, base metal concentrates. So, um, you've got to take the carbon out. So we're going to have to get recycling. So if I've got a ton of new batteries, eight tonnes of carbon to make it. If I use recycled material from the existing refiners who melt it, four tonnes of CO2. If we use our process of hydromet, we'll be below 300 kilograms per tonne uh, of batteries, right? So yes, they want EVs. No, they don't want the carbon. So the immediate thing is to, you know, what, but you can't manage what you can't measure. So 2024, you got to measure your LCA. Every battery pack has to have stickers with a CO2 footprint. 2027, you're going to have to say, 
how much recycled materials in there and um you know that relates to cobalt you know and then they're saying we're not only are you going to have to say how much materials in there in 2027 we got these hurdles so we're going to have to recover i mean at the moment they're looking at 45 percent collection right they're going to mandate mandate 70 percent right and so we can see the there's 15 gigafactories going into europe right they're going to produce 500 gigawatt hours of batteries per annum that's going to equate to millions of tons of batteries coming back at the end of their life so we're looking to develop a 20,000 ton to take some of the production scrap that we're going to have to scale up 200 500 whatever is required the guys at SMS can build it um, and hence why you know we're we're you know committing to provide those services to the gigafactories and like when it comes to power you know we'll commit to using renewable energy in there so that we can pull the the carbon footprint down as low as we can Otherwise, you're going to have 30 million EVs that they think the Europeans will be driving by 30, and they're going to have eight tonnes of CO2 generated in the production, right? That's a quarter of a billion tonnes of CO2 just from the battery. The car will be the same again. So you're going to have half a billion tonnes of CO2 extra if you make this transition. So, you know, I think, we knew where it was going to head. We got in early and we're very, very pleased to see these these new EU regulations come through. We know it's a proposal uh, and it needs to be passed by the member states and the parliament, but they don't have a choice. It's it's, um, it's, it's incredible to me. I think the, the phrase which kind of got me over the line to understand the importance of what you're doing was when Elon Musk said, you want these molecules, these, these mineral molecules to travel as little as possible because that's where the inefficiencies the you know the cot numbers come from you're sending them all around the world as you described earlier you need to produce them in exactly. one place, ship them to china and then they ship them almost back again no, so I, I get that so, so it sounds like the european economies are coming down hard and setting these regulations and they they mean it um the opportunity for you though can only be um achieved with a big strong partner because you're going to need to sure. get the, the feed through here. So, again, to, to talk us through or remind us what exactly your partner is going to be able to do for you. Sure. So, at the moment, uh, SMS and Neometals have formed an incorporated joint venture called Primobius GmbH. Uh, and it's in the process of setting up a demonstration plant at Hilkenbach in Germany, which is SMS's centre of manufacturing. Now, they've got 14,500 employees in 95 sites around the world. They are one of the world's largest builders of processing plants. So, essentially, you know, we're looking at targeting the European car makers. It's in the centre of Germany. The car makers can bring their modules, bring their packs. We can shred it for them safely. They can measure the CO2. They can take the product back. They can get it independently verified by their supply chain. And so, you know, once we get to that stage, SMS are then capable of building out uh, whatever is required for any cell maker or car maker. The, the size doesn't worry us. Uh, and the speed, I mean, these guys build plants for a living. They want to build plants, not little dinky 20,000 tonne plants. They want to build the big boys, 200,000 tonnes, 500,000 tonnes, and we want them to. So, yeah, they, they are the delivery uh, mechanism for our processing technology. 
Right, so that that gives the OEMs um, the confidence that you can process it, you can build it, you've got the money to build it, you've got the balance sheet to build it. I get that. So, what about the in terms of the contracts? Is there much more to it? Because you've got people. You mentioned Glencore using the pyrometallurgical process, less efficient, but nevertheless, they've got these kind of uh, relationships. How do you step in and yeah. say we sh- you should be using us? Right. Well, look, you know, the biggest the biggest recyclers uh, at the moment would in Europe would be, you know, Umicore at about 7,000 tonnes of capacity. Our first plant will be 20,000 tonnes capacity that will look to go up to. I mean, look, you, you just can't build these huge base metal refineries uh, quickly, right? You know, with, with ours, it's it's more akin to a chemical processing plant. And, and so if I have a look at these 811 batteries and what's in them, it's the equivalent of having a ton of con- so a ton of batteries is equivalent of having a ton of concentrate that's got 15% copper, 15% nickel, 2% cobalt, and 2% lithium. Right? That is an incredible feedstock. And initially, we're going to get paid to recycle these. Um, so you know, it's uh, it's a it's going to be a fantastic business for us. So, so hang on a second, let me get that right. So the, the fee, so initially people are going to pay you and then they're going to what, stop paying you? What, what, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, as the volumes pick up, there'll be competition. And so, you know, internally, you need to get the, the, the big feed. So, you know, 20,000 tonnes, you've got a diseconomy of scale, 200,000 tonnes, you're much more profitable on a per unit basis. And so what you want to do, and we found this from our lithium and getting inserted into China's largest, fastest growing lithium company with our Mount Marion project. You want to get in there and you've, it, it, I mean, this is a service. So you've got to give the customer what they want. High recoveries, high purities, low carbon footprints so that they can tick all their boxes. They don't have to worry. These guys in their own time zone, they can pick up a phone and talk German to a German who's going to solve their issues. They don't have to worry about Australia. We'll already have been up before them. So, um, you know, it's uh, that's pretty much how it's going to work. Okay, so um, moving forward, Primobius, next steps. What are we looking forward to next year, 2021? Sure. So 2021, uh, we'll finish construction of the demonstration plant by the end of March. We'll finish the trials sort of June, July. We'll finish the evaluation. We're doing a, a, a class three feasibility study. Uh, that'll be finished in the second half of 2021, leading us to consider an investment decision on a full integrated operation uh, in the March quarter of 2022. Now, we already own a 20,000 tonne shredding plant. So we took the opportunity. We had custom made a full shredding plant uh, in the US initially, and then we shipped it to, to Hamburg. So we are able to start up with shredding the batteries and making the black mass before we start, before we build out the chemical plant at the back end. So we can provide a service to safely dispose uh, of the batteries. Obviously, you know, I mean, we can, we can take fully charged, partially charged, discharged cells in all varieties of format, safely process them, physically recover the coat, the uh, copper foil, the aluminium foil, the plastics, the steel casings, and then we're left with what's called black mass, which is a, a mixture of nickel, uh, cobalt, manganese and lithium uh, and graphite. 
So that's just safe to store. It's been deactivated, just looks like a black powder. So we can keep that in uh, in drums and bulker bags and then we can process that at a later date. Okay, so you, and I want to finish off on this one because I think you've explained it well, but so in, in battery format, it can be dangerous. You need to shred them. They become, well, it's just a powder. Well, you've seen the fires. So there's been about yeah. 38 fires this year around the world. Uh and they're basically on like laptop or phone batteries, you know. But the thing is, these cars are going to be much larger battery packs. They're going to have a lot more charge in them. They're not the sort of things you're going to be wanting to lie around and stockpile, right? They're not the sort of stuff that you should be putting in a landfill either. So, you know, for us, as the production scrap, and about 10% of whatever they put in a gigafactory comes out as production scrap, that's what the little plan's for. Then we've got to scale it up for the end of life uh, at the back end. But we fully expect warranty returns and to get batteries in all uh, stages of charge and in all sorts of formats. Okay. So we're starting to see when, when and where the revenue is coming from. So that's pretty exciting. So looking forward to you know keeping in touch with you about the, uh, well, certainly in Q1 next year and as you move things forward. Let's go to Finland because yeah. I saw an announcement. You found some land. Well, we found a lot more than that. So, you know, for our vanadium recovery project where we're looking, we've, we've got a process there that can recover vanadium from steel slags that are a byproduct of, of melting Swedish iron ores. They've got incredibly uh, high grades of vanadium. You know, we've got access, a conditional purchase agreement with SSAB uh, to buy 2 million tonnes uh, and process it. We're looking at a plant that can do 200,000 tonnes a year. It'll produce about 5,500 tonnes of vanadium pentoxide, which will be about 5% uh, of the world's supply at the bottom end of the cost curve, which is fantastic. So uh, in addition to, uh, we've completed a scoping study, a mini pilot plant, we're now in the pre-feasibility study and our partner Critical Metals has been running the location study. We looked at 10 sites in Sweden and Finland and we landed on the city of Pori where they've got this uh, fantastic port all owned by the city, uh, deep water port, so we can just barge in the feedstocks. Uh, it's got power, rail, uh, chemicals, you know, the town's about 85,000 people. So they've made access available uh, a build-ready 50-acre site at the port uh, where we can build the plant and stockpile our inbound and outbound product. Uh, they'll make access to all the utilities that are owned by the city um, to us, and we're able to actually access their CO2 streams that they make out of some of their um, biomass plants. So in our process, we actually sequester between 65 and 70,000 tonnes of CO2 per annum out of the sky to uh, make carbonic acid and to process these slags and recover the vanadium. So... Um, you know, Finland, you know, I mean, the guys at Pori had a team from the, the city all the way through to the federal government. The team was 100 people to ensure that we went there. And, you know, the governments uh, offered to provide financial assistance for our carbon capture. Finland's totally committed to becoming net carbon uh, neutral by 2035, you know, um, 
these guys walk the talk and they want us there. And I've got to say, you know, for all the projects that we've, we've ever looked at, this has got to be the friendliest jurisdiction and the most proactive uh, government I've ever encountered. Well, I, I guess you're doing them a favour in a way. You're, you're kind of cleaning up these massive, nasty slag piles. Well, you, well, we're paying SSAB to remove of them and, and turn them into something that's safe to store long-term or to use, uh, you know, Road people use it for road base. There's all sorts of application, bricks, cement, all sorts of stuff. So, you know, I, I think it was for us. It was an opportunity to recover vanadium at the bottom end of the cost curve. But we could have done it. We could have made more money if we'd gone with the sulfuric route. Now we've got patents on both the sulfuric route and the carbonate route. Um, but with the tails would have been a sulfate and that, that would have been acid mine generating. You know, it snows. It's not like Australia where it's really, really dry or Africa. I mean, they get substantial net positive rainfall up in those parts of the world. And so we thought, well, mate, it's got to be sustainable. So we sat the boys down and said, look, whatever you do, we've got to, one, we've got to recover the vanadium and make money, but we're prepared to consider less recoveries, right, and less profit as long as the tailings are the safest that we can make them for the environment. And in fact, we're bettering the environment by taking out sort of 65 or 70,000 tonnes of CO2 out of the sky every year. Right. So I think, you know, as, as an industry, we all need to have a look and say, we need to supply these critical metals for this transition, this mega trend, right? But in parallel with that, it's just not to a race to the bottom for operating costs. It's got to be a, a real race to the most sustainable flow sheets, right? And and it's a bit like, oh, you know, years ago, I remember we used to have the triple bottom line reporting before we had this, the, the ESG, you know, and we learned that, you know, you, you do have a wider group of interested stakeholders rather than just your shareholders, Right, and it's your ability to go in day after day and operate that business that is as important as what cash flow you made yesterday. Like, I get that. So, but you've you've got to have a view on the vanadium and where it's going, the vanadium market and where it's going, because yeah. you know, I get your lowest decile cost producer. You know, there's, there's good margin to be made, and you know, in, t- in terms of the sustainability story, it's it's all there. It's all on brand for Neo Metals, um, so, which which is great. But where where's this vanadium going? Because we have got people talking about VRFB. Is there a premium that yeah. could be had there, or if you go and chuck it in stainless steel? Um, is that just at market rate? I mean, is there a kind of bifurcated yeah, market look, for what you do? I mean, eighty-five. There, there is eighty-five percent of the vanadium produced finds its way into hardening steels. Then some goes into titanium alloys for aerospace. Some goes into chemical uh, additives and energy. So you know, for us, we're producing exceptional grade material that'll naturally go into the high purity. Uh, and energy would be the you know cathode materials. Uh, electrolyte materials, whether they're lithium ion batteries or you're getting these new lithium vanadium batteries, uh, nickel vanadium manganese to replace cobalt. You got, as you said, the vanadium redox flows. So that's a vanadium sulfate solution, which is actually an electrolyte. But that's the market market that we're targeting. So 
I, I look at it a bit like nickel, right? You've got 2 million tonnes of nickel produced, 200,000 tonnes goes into the batteries. And we're not going to do away with stainless steel, right? So the forecast for nickel is very, very strong because of the massive demand in the batteries coming from nickel. Now, that's 2 million tonnes of nickel. The vanadium market is less than 100,000 tonnes of vanadium, right? So when you have a, when you have a look at that uh, and 85% goes into hardening steels, that'll still happen. It's a bit like cobalt. Half the cobalt goes into turbine blades, right? Because it's a non-metallic metal. That's not going to change. Well, slightly less orders this year because of COVID, but in the long run, that'll recover. So you, we think it's just poised to have a, a you know, a, a fundamental shift in the pricing upwards. Now, vanadium, you know, used to be in, uh, I mean, it's dominated by China and, and South Africa and Russia in terms of, you know, where the production comes from. Uh, and, you know, whenever there's a price, whenever there's a supply squeeze, the price will double, triple, quadruple. But now we're going to see a fundamental shift in the demand upwards. And I can't see that the uh, supply, I mean, we've been running a deficit for the last 10 years, vanadium in the West. coming. I mean, there's no more stockpiles of slag in South Africa. Uh, you know, Chinese shut down all these little backyard operators. Um, it's a pretty dirty sort of process over there when it's a secondary product. So we think we're in a fantastic spot um, really to service Europe with its own resource. It's already there in a, in a sustainable way. And, you know, while there's a lot of guys you know, hugging the ESG thematic, but having to greenwash upstream carbon intensive mining and processing operations. Um, we've actually shifted our, our mentality, you know, from 2016, 2018 for the lithium and then the, the slag recycling projects. Um, so, you know, we've we've actually fundamentally changed the projects that we are targeting and developing um, to, you know, like I say, to actually walk the talk of yeah, for, moving for, to something that's more environmentally sustainable. For sure. No, no greenwashing required. I, I get it. Um, talk to me on timing again. Same question, which is timing, because I, sure. I think people for are starting to- yeah, absolutely. Because people are starting to see sure. your ability to deliver and the timing of that. So you've got the PFS, yep. when's that coming out and then what next? Right. So the pre-feasibility study will be completed and released before 30 June 2021. It's quite likely that before that date, we will have completed the pilot plant. We have approximately 45 tonnes of material from the three different steel plants uh, either in Australia or on its way to Australia. Um, so we'll look at running that and then we'll move straight into the feasibility study, finish the full feasibility study by the 30th of June, 2022. And we've allowed ourselves six months there to make the uh, final investment decision. But I expect that we will, uh, we will accelerate that process. Right. You know, now that we've got, you know, a site... We've got the supply contract, we've got a site, we've got power, we've got water, we've got access to CO2, really all it's, it's needed there is some of the commercial. And that's, that's the sort of, uh, as we advance these, they are the things that really change the, the dial. It's not like 
gold, where I throw a bar of gold over and money flies back at me, you know, I, I've got to go out now at this stage and get the nice contract so that people can see how much supply of batteries are we going to get? How much money are we going to make? Who's going to offtake the vanadium? How much money are they going to put in? You know, all, all, of the, all of the fun stuff, we run in parallel. And all of our projects are in either the final pilot or the final feasibility stage, um, with the exception of some of the upstream assets. But for the moment, we've, we've got a pin in them. Now, they're going to become increasingly more valuable. And in a couple of years, if we need to develop them, we'll develop them. Equally, we can look at returning those back to the shareholders in a structure that leaves Neometals as, um, you know, perhaps one of the only carbon negative miners around. Yeah, it's, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's fascinating. But just, I mean, just on the vanadium component, you've got feedstock what looks like decades because this stuff is being produced. You've got a mountain of it. You, it's being produced on a daily basis. Faster than we can process it. Faster than you can process it at the moment. Yeah. Um, which says there's, because you've got a, you've got the history of dishing out dividends and you know, producing cash, throwing out dividends. This looks like a substantive business on its own at the moment. I mean, how, sure. how do you, do you upscale it? Do you need to upscale it? I mean, it's, it's big already. Well, you can never have too much of a good thing. <laughs> right, Chris. That's true. That's true. It's not not, not a bad place to leave it. Well, like, sure. Um, and if I'm at the bottom end of the cost curve and I can get my hands on more of it, then the answer is yes. Right. But it, okay. Well, let, let's let's again let's you understand know, touch and sort of see how you get on because again you've got some quite early I think people come catalysts uh, coming up on on that one you know, Q one Q two obviously um, so that's fantastic and the other three projects are what are they in sort of back burner for now or are you progressing them so as look well? the lithium the lithium hydroxide project so the feasibility study for that will be out in uh, Q one twenty twenty one. That then needs to go into the front end engineering and design phase, which is another 15 odd months. Uh, the Barambi Titanium Vanadium project, it's got a granted mining proposal, got approvals to build a plant. Uh, the unfortunate uh, timing at the moment is that, you know, we're, we're trying to get offtake agreements uh, with Chinese counterparties and uh, we're having somewhat of a uh, political and trade tete-a-tete with the Chinese. Uh, is that going to get sorted out? Is that going to get sorted out? Because this is affecting a lot of conversations that we're having at the moment. Australian government putting the foot down on, yeah. on coal. Like, well, you name it, they're putting the foot down with the Chinese. Yeah, I'm not sure we're putting our foot down on coal. Certainly the Chinese are. Um, but look, you know, they're big boys. Uh, they'll sort it out. It's in no one's interest to, to uh, you know, to draw swords. Um, and the nickel... You know, we've got 150,000 nickel metal tons sitting there in 11 sulfide deposits. Now, the price, you know, we acquired it. Price was about 12,500 tons for nickel. Uh, the price is now over 17,500 US dollars a ton for nickel. Uh, I'll start getting excited when it's over 20 and by $25,000 a ton nickel, we will be frothy. I bet. I think it's getting it's an exciting market at the moment, Nickel, for sure. Yeah, look, we reckon we've got a pretty good, pretty good hand in in the game. But that, but gives an insight as to what you're thinking. You you want someone to come in and partner with you? Or are you looking to offload it? I mean, 
I guess the price will determine that. Oh, look, that the nickel, the nickel is uh, is is a brownfields, uh, you know, development story. So you know, it's a, it's another. It'll develop into a whole series of mines. So we've got five of the deposits, you know, in under evaluation to be put into you know a, a sequence of of open pits and undergrounds. Uh, then we'll move into the, the permitting phase. Uh, and, you know, it's only 50 kilometres from BHP's uh, unutilised nickel concentrator, 2 million tonne concentrator and smelting complex. So at the right time, that can move very quickly. Granted mining leases, you know, the whole lot. So, I mean, it, they're essentially call options on the price. I mean, that's what all, I mean, in, in equal parts, they're contingent liabilities until you can make money because there's some maintenance costs. But they are low-risk options uh, or low-cost options on commodities that we know will go nuts. No, exciting times for you boys, for sure. Lots of optionality on, on, on the projects. Um, it's been great following you this year. You've had a good one. Keep it going in 2021, please, and uh, stay in touch, mate. We will. So I'd like to wish everyone a uh, Merry Christmas and best wishes for the new year and uh, for our uh, friends up in the Northern Hemisphere. We, uh, we are feeling and empathising with what you might be uh, going through at the moment and uh, all things will change and we'll all get through it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.